athletic competition. It can easily be broken down into two parts. The minutes or hours it takes to complete the event. Then weeks, months, and years of joy or heartbreak. Finally, the decades to analyze and debate it. From the press box to press row, Donald Ware will break it all down for you with an in-depth look at historically black college athletics, as well as the biggest news stories and newsmakers of the day. It's time to talk the talk with those who walk the walk. From the press box to press row, here's your host, Donald Ware. You're locked into the dopest show on radio. From the press box to press row, I am your host, Donald Ware. Got to make a correction from last week, of course, talking about Bushwick Bill. And I mentioned the fact that Bushwick Bill wasn't a part of the Ghetto Boys' second album. And it actually was Willie D that wasn't a part of that second album with the three of them. Big Mike sort of replaced Willie D, if you will. They came back for a reunion with the Resurrection in 96. And it was Bushwick who wasn't on the Good, the Bad, the Ugly album. So just wanted to make that correction. Got a whole lot to get to on today's program. Obviously, we're going to talk NBA draft. A lot happening in the NBA. I I mean, I say this almost every year, but it seems to hold true, especially when you're talking about the last uh, four or five years or so that the NBA it's it's there's only about a, you know, a a cooling off period for the NBA, maybe for about a eh, two or three month period. Otherwise, the NBA has been pretty, pretty hot. And this NBA draft is no different. Going to talk a lot about the NBA draft on the program. Obviously, the Anthony Davis trade took place after we got off of the air. So I want to touch on that with Anthony Davis going to the Lakers. That's a big time move for the L.A. Lakers. And still, I mean, even though we've had the draft, we still have free agency. You know, we had... um. You know, we had another uh, uh, before the draft, another big trade, you know, that that uh, that took place. So, I mean, just a lot going on in the NBA. And we're going to get to all of it today on the program. Of course, our HBCU football daily podcast is in full effect. We began on Wednesday. We started things off by previewing all corn state, the defending SWAC champions. Fred McNair was a guest on the program on Thursday. We previewed. The defending CIAA champion Bowie State Bulldogs, Stamen Wilson, joined us on the program uh, on Friday. Uh, it was Miles Reginald Ruffin, the head football coach at Miles. So, and they were, of course, the defending SIAC champions, or are, I should say, the defending SIAC champions. So, you know, I'm going to play a little bit of some of those interviews because I want you guys to really get into this HBCU Football Daily podcast. We're you know, less than 70 days away from the start of the college football season or the HBCU football season. And we want to get you started early. We want to get you into things early here on Box to Row 
with our HBCU Football Daily Podcast. I want to give you a snippet of some of what we've done so far in hopes that you'll go to our website at BotchToRow.com, BotchToRow.com, and, uh, of course, download the respective HBCU Football Daily Podcasts. On Monday, we're going to preview the Edward Waters Tigers, who, if you look, if if you sort of look at their schedule all and what they're doing, so this year they're going to play as an independent NAIA school. Remember last year they were in a conference. The year before that they were in a different conference. And if you looked at their schedule, eight of their opponents are SIAC opponents. Eight of their opponents are SIAC opponents. So what do you think that means? Well, they've already applied uh, to be a an NCAA Division II um, athletic program. So sounds like to me, that the Edward Waters Tigers are trying to make that move to, or a possible move to Division Two, but more specifically to the SIAC. And uh, so we'll definitely have to see how things play out on that accord. Join me on today's program. Hit me up via Twitter at BoxToRow, B-O-X-T-O-R-O-W. Follow us while you're on Twitter. Also, you can follow us on Instagram, B-O-X-T-O-R-O-W. Also, hit me up on Facebook, B-O-X, the number two, R-O-W, B-O-X, the number two, R-O-W. Thank you to all of the outstanding affiliates around the country that carry from the press box to press row. And, you know, as the summer months progress, I mean, we're going to be adding... Um, certainly a lot more affiliates as uh, as time really goes on. But I mean, you know, I, I always got to give a shout out to a lot of our affiliates. For instance, those that listen to us on WLBG in Lawrence, South Carolina, covering that Lawrence Greenwood, a uh, little bit of Greenville, South Carolina area. Uh, you know, those that listen to us on WXVI in Montgomery, Alabama. I mean, we just got some great affiliates around the country that carry from the press box to press row. Those that listen to us on Sirius XM channels 141 and 142. And of course, those that listen to us around the world at BoxToRow.com. As mentioned, we kicked off our HBCU football daily podcast on Wednesday. And Fred McNair, the head football coach at Alcorn State, joined us on the program. And if you look at this Alcorn State program the last five or six years it's been like running back you there you can look at all the running backs that have come through um, this program Fred McNair's uh, McNair's been instrumental uh, in that of course Jay Hobson was the head football coach there but it was Fred McNair that was calling the offensive plays and they've had a plethora of running backs that have come through Alcorn State in the last couple of years or so and I had a chance to ask coach McNair about that and how they go about recruiting and finding these running backs who ultimately are diamonds in the rough. Well, you know, um, the biggest thing is with that, you know, we always try to recruit the best players that we can uh, before the big guys chew them up, you know, the power five schools, they always throw guys up, man. And and we always try to find that, that one player that's going to be a dynamic for us. And I think that Waller was one of those guys that, that nobody wants to take a chance on, you know, and 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 for us to go down, <clears throat> go down to Georgia, and uh, get him, you know, that was big for us. We knew what the kid could do. Uh, we seen him play JUCO ball, and we knew what kind of kid he was. We know the things that he's done over the past, and um, 
you know, that's a big recruit for us. And so just going out, beating the bushes and, and trying to find the, the right fit, the right character kids for this university to come play for this football team. And, and also he, he's an exceptional student too. So uh, he does his work. Uh, he's not late for anything. Um, this kid, he, he got a good attitude towards himself and, and what he can do with this football program. We can, you can talk about, of course, Noah Johnson. You can talk about Waller and that great running game you've really, really had. But it begins up front. Um, what about this offensive line? A couple of starters returning to that line, led by Mustafa Ibrahim. And Mustafa been, he's been, <clears throat> he's been a steady, steady guy. You know, he's very consistent in what he do. Uh, you know, he makes all the calls for us on the line. Uh, he's like our quarterback on the offensive line. You know, so. Uh, he does a great job identifying the the Mike backer and, and getting protection what need to need to be, and so he does a really good job. He's a very steady player, you know. Um, uh, you know, he's one of the guys that, that people didn't want to take a chance on because he wasn't too athletic, uh, but he's been doing a tremendous job um, of protecting the quarterback and making the cards that we need to make uh, to get in the protection that we need to protect Noah and also the running game as well. Alcorn State head football coach Fred McNair during our HBCU Football Daily Podcast. And, of course, you can listen to that interview in its entirety. The podcast in its entirety. Log on to our website, BoxToRow.com. Click on the HBCU Football Daily Podcast banner and either download or listen to the podcast. And, again, I mean, when you're talking about running backs that played um, from all course, I mean, you got some guys that you can look at from back in the day, I have a list in front of me. Larry Watkins played. Um, Otis Wonsley, who played for the Redskins, mostly played. Seemed like he may have played. He was a good receiver out of the backfield, backup running back. Um, you know, war number 39, if my memory serves me correctly, played at Alcorn State. I had no idea. Um, you know, Frank Purnell, uh, Smith Reed. And then, of course, right now in the National Football League, Delance Turner uh, who was a phenomenal running back a couple of years ago. So Alcorn State has really produced a lot of running backs. Deshaun Waller is back for them in his senior year, had a really, really good season last year. As a matter of fact, in that celebration bowl, I mean, that running game for Alcorn State was lethal, and Deshaun Waller got loose on an A&T defense that typically doesn't give up a lot of yards rushing. Uh, of course, they have Noah Johnson that comes back at quarterback. He's a threat to run the football, can also throw it as well. I mean, you're talking about nine guys that return on the offensive side of the football for this Alcorn State football team. Um, you know, listen, I mean, I, I think that if you, you know, if you look at all things on paper right now, it's got to be Alcorn State that you have to consider as the favorites. By the way, we didn't even talk about, and you'll hear this on the podcast. We didn't even, we ranked Alcorn State as the number three HBCU um, FCS recruiting class in the country. And there's some guys in that recruiting class um, that are going to be able to come in and help Alcorn State right away. A couple of transfers. So you got some guys that are seasoned guys that have played college football that are going to come in and help them right away. Um, you know, the, the, the question mark for Alcorn State is on the defensive side of the football. When you lose what they lose in terms of those two ends um, and some of the other defensive players, I mean, that's definitely going to be an issue that Alcorn State is going to have to address. But I'm going to tell you this. If you look at that defense last year, uh, it was uh, it was the best defense that Fred McNair had had in two, you know, in two seasons. And really. 
um, uh, you know, it, it was it was so, and it was so much different from the defense from a year ago in terms of it was just like night. It was just almost like night and day. They gave up less than 300 yards a game. They're gonna that's gonna probably be where they're going. I don't want to say struggle, but that's a concern. Defense has got to be a concern for Alcorn State. So still gonna talk um, some some HBCU football here. Got plenty of NBA draft talk and NBA talk still to come on from the press box to press row as we roll on. Hey, it's Alex Morgan with the U.S. Women's Soccer Team, and you're listening to From the Press Box to Press Row with Donald Lynn. Mommy, where are we going? To the grocery store, honey. Oh, goody, Mommy. Can we buy an original bag of Marjorie's Beef Jerky? Of what? An original bag of Marjorie's Beef Jerky. It's really good, Mommy. Dad let me try some, and I couldn't help myself, and I ate it all, and I was hoping that you could, like, help me replace it before he comes home from work. Why would you eat all of Dad's Beef Jerky? Mommy, I couldn't help myself. Marjorie's Beef Jerky is so good, and Daddy says it's good for you. Well, it sounds like we had better buy two bags to avoid this from happening again. Thanks, Mom. Marjorie's Beef Jerky, the best beef jerky on the planet. You can also purchase Marjorie's Beef Jerky online at Marjorie'sBeefJerky.com. That's Marjorie'sBeefJerky.com or call them toll free 844-340-7613. Marjorie's Beef Jerky, the best beef jerky on the planet. The old renaissance is the new renaissance. Standing on tradition while embracing the spirit of distinction. This is the Harlem Brewing Company. Uniquely crafted beer brewed to deliver a taste, a sound, and a feeling that can only be described in one way. Harlem style. So come and take a trip on the A-Train with our Harlem Sugar Hill Golden Ale and our Harlem Renaissance Whip Beer. The neighborhood original. Brought to you by Harlem Beer Distributing North Carolina. Visit them at HarlemBeerNC.com. You're listening to From the Press Box to Press Row. Hold it now. We're back here on From the Press Box to Press Row. Joining on the conversation, hit me up via Twitter at Box to Row, B-O-X-T-O-R-O-W. Follow us while on Twitter. You can also follow us on Instagram, B-O-X-T-O-R-O-W, or on Facebook, B-O-X, the number two R-O-W. The NBA draft, when it is expected, at least for the first four picks or so, Zion Williamson, Definitely was going to be the number one pick by the New Orleans Pelicans. It happened. There was no surprise there. You know, getting back to the trade between the Pelicans and the Lakers. And I mean, there there are some nuances with the trade where the Lakers may have left, you know, some money on the table and that type of thing. But if you look at the, the trade for what it was straight up, I think that both teams definitely benefited from the trade. If you're the Lakers, you get Anthony Davis, you already have LeBron James, and you got to keep Kyle Kuzma. So, I mean, you know, th- that in of itself 
is a victory. Now you just got to put players around them. And, and we saw this going back to uh, the first season with LeBron in Miami where they had already Dwayne, uh, Wade was there, Dwayne Wade. Then, of course, you add LeBron, and then they went out and traded for Chris Bosh, and then they had to put other players around uh, those players, and it, it worked out. I mean, it, it definitely worked out. I don't think at that time they had a really good young player like they like the Lakers do with Kuzma, and he could really be sort of that. I, I don't. I'm not going to equate him to Bosh. I mean, I don't think that. You know, I mean, you know, Bosh was a Bosh at the time of that trade. Remember, he was coming from Toronto. Bosh was an elite player in the NBA during that time. So, you know, obviously I'm not going to make that comparison, but I think still having Kuzma is good. They just need to uh, put some players around those three guys. And the thing about it, I mean, if you look at the landscape of the Western Conference now, I mean, I think Golden State definitely takes a step back. No Kevin Durant. Not sure uh, when Clay Thompson would be back. I think the the roster as it is right now without Clay Thompson, without Kevin Durant, I mean, I think ultimately Golden State would make the playoffs, but they would be a lower seed in the playoffs. You know, I think the Nuggets move up in the upper echelon of things. I think that ultimately, um, you know, Port, maybe Portland moves up, maybe. Um, but I think sort, certainly um, – when you look at Golden State, they're going to take a bit of a step back. I like New Orleans. I mean, I like, you know, I still, I think that, you know, Lonzo Ball, I still think Lonzo Ball is going to be a good player. I mean, I'm not saying he's going to be a great player, but I think he's going to be a good player. And you add in, you've already got Zion, uh, Drew Holiday is there. Remember, Drew Holiday is a good player. This is a, listen, this is a Pelicans team that is one season removed from not only making the playoffs, but, winning a first round playoff series now i realized they had anthony davis at that time they don't but you you get zion in there um you know you i like jaquil okafor like i thought he did a decent job you add you know brandon ingram i mean he's you know he's sort of an up and down player but when he's good he can really be good jackson hayes uh as a as the number eight pick a very athletic guy uh, from texas a center you add him to the mix i think quite frankly that this is a New Orleans team that if it if it does what it's supposed to do and projects the way that it's supposed to is a team that in fact can make the playoffs. So I think when you look at it uh, in from that situation with New Orleans, um, it was a good trade for them because they get a lot of pieces back. They're able to get a couple of first round picks as well, future first round picks. So, you know, you're able to do something with those, whether it's select a player or whether it's put, uh, you know, put a pick in a trade, much like Boston has done and being able to sort of stockpile some first round picks here the last couple of years. So I think I think the trade was good. And then obviously, as I mentioned on the Lakers side, just add a couple of pieces um, to me, you know, now you're, you're at least listen. I mean, I don't think it's a stretch to say that the favorite right now, all things considered, you take injuries out of the equation, meaning during the course of the season where golden state stands right now. I mean, Denver's there, but I mean, I, I don't, I, I don't know. Um, but it, you know, 
the Lakers, to me, have to be the favorites in the West right now. I mean, it, you know, they're going to get some players. They're going to still, whether they get another max player, whether they get a couple of really good players, they're they're right there. And in in and if they're able to stay healthy, I mean, that's you know, I think that's a Lakers team that definitely, definitely uh, would be the, uh, the the number one contender right now in the West. You look at Memphis. And they make the pick at number two with Ja Morant out of Murray State. Um, it's just it's just awesome. Again, you know, I mean, when small college um, players are able to do what they're able to do, get drafted, uh, it's a lottery pick. Ja Morant had a you know just a, a a really a great season. We we use the word great so much in today's society. He had a great season. Um, You know, I think especially with the fact that the Grizzlies moved Mike Connolly, um, you know, you still have Jaron Jackson there. You still have some pieces there um, where they're trying to build for the future there in Memphis. It may take a little bit of time, but I think that's a really good pick for Memphis. And of course, you know, in the coming weeks, we're going to have Mike Wallace on the program to sort of break things down, break down the trade that Memphis made with Utah again. Mike Connolly goes to Utah. That trade happened, I guess, earlier in the week. It was a, you know, obviously a big time trade. Utah gets better. We talk about teams. Okay, where what's the pecking order sort of in the West? I mean, Utah, Utah's a good team already. They just got better by adding Mike Connolly. I mean, I don't know if they, you know, they're not, you know, they're not top two, but but they're still. I mean, that's just a good add for Utah in terms of getting Mike Connolly. Um, R.J. Barrett wanted the Knicks. The Knicks wanted R.J. Barrett. It comes to fruition for both. R.J. Barrett of Duke goes to the Knicks at number three. It's going to be an interesting, you know, the Knicks, obviously, you know, it's been the Knicks fans have suffered for many, 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 many years now. And with respect to the Knicks, I mean, they're not done. They're going to have to do a lot of their damage in free agency. They gave up Kristaps Porzingis uh, to in, in it and enable them to be able to get, you know, I mean, they got what they get Dennis Smith in that trade and then first round pick or what, you know, some picks or what have you. But the Knicks real R.J. Barrett is a great start for the Knicks. That's a great pick. It's a great start for the Knicks. And but their bread is going to be buttered during free agency. That's where the Knicks are going to make their mark, and we're, we're going to have to see how things play out. It doesn't look like uh, Kyrie Irving is coming back to the to Boston. Could he go to the Knicks? Could he go to Brook? I mean, there's so many different scenarios that could happen, but the Knicks, you know, definitely are in play. They have plenty of money to spend as well. You know, the, the Kevin Durant, dynamic changed with his injury um and 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 that's the other thing what does Kevin Durant do now I mean I think lastly before he was re-injured a lot of the talk was that Kevin Durant was going to go to the Brooklyn Nets and Kyrie Irving was going to be there as well what happens now does does he go back to Golden State you know I don't know maybe that's a really good move some familiarity there he's going to get paid 30 million dollars you know he picks up that player option and then you can always see what happens the year after and I mean all, all it's going to be really is a rehab 
uh, season off the court, mostly for Kevin Durant, 2019-2020. So what, in fact, is going to happen with the Knicks and free agency? What's going to happen with Kevin Durant? Uh, you know, the Kyrie Irvings of the world. I mean, that remains to be seen. Jimmy Butler's, you know, that remains to be seen um, as well. You know, if you remember going back a year ago, if you, you listened to this program, we had Penny Hardaway as a guest on the program, NBA legend, um, had just uh, maybe two months prior to us having him as a guest, uh, had been introduced as the head men's basketball coach at his alma mater, Memphis. And I remember talking to him at that time about Darius Garland. What were his thoughts on Darius Garland? That's a kid that played at Brentwood Academy in Nashville. Um, he had already signed with Vanderbilt at that point. And I'm not really one of those guys that follows high school basketball very closely. And I mean, there's so many great basketball, high school basketball, really good, or great in high school uh, basketball players. So, but when I saw a highlight tape, of Darius Garland and all of the things that he could do. And again, it was at Brent. Well, I was like, man, this guy is really good. And I remember asking Penny Hardaway about Garland. And this is what he had to say when, uh, of course, Penny Hardaway came on the program back in May of last year. Yeah, I mean, Darius is unbelievable. Yeah. Spectacular, fast, quick. He can shoot it. Great pick-and-roll player, great leader, won four straight championships in a row. Who doesn't want a kid that's a winner? He's a winner. And uh, Vanderbilt definitely got a great player in him. Yeah, does he Does he sort of – does he – I don't – I'm just – does he remind you of you a little bit when you when you were coming out of Memphis? Well, we had similar games. Um, because I'm much taller than him, but as far as the um, the show that he puts on on a nightly basis, he, he he's very well aware of what he's doing when he's out there on the floor. And, and he tries to put a show on for the fans every night. That's what I can appreciate from him. He's, he's, uh, he's just a spectacular guard. Penny Hardaway talking about Darius Garland, who was picked number five by the Cleveland Cavaliers when, it, uh, of course, uh, Penny came on the program on last year. And I'll I tell you what, I, because now Memphis under Penny Hardaway had an outstanding recruiting class this year and they had a good a solid season last year and I'll tell you what I bet you if he had been the head coach at Memphis the time that Garland had made his decision to attend Vanderbilt Memphis may have gotten him and by the way Darius Garland only played five games but it was enough and and, you know not to get into that but that you know sort of to me goes back to the the uh, the one and done rule as we have it or guys being able to come straight out of, of high school to go into the league you know, not only Zion Williamson, a guy that could have come straight out of high school to the league, but I think Darius Garland was one of those guys as well. Still to come here on from the press box to press row more NBA and NBA draft talk. But up next, going to switch gears, go back to talking some HBCU football here as from the press box to press row rolls on. Box to Rose HBCU football daily podcast began on Wednesday. As we took a look at Alcorn State and had Fred McNair, the head football coach at Alcorn State, on the podcast. You can download it right now, BoxToRow.com. Towards the right of the website, click on the HBCU Daily Podcast banner and you can download that podcast as well as the other two that are currently up there, Miles as well as Bowie State. Speaking of Bowie State, 
Um, Bowie State was part of our Thursday podcast and had a chance to catch up with Damon Wilson on the podcast. And I asked him not only about the Bowie State program, but what winning and specifically the CIAA championship meant to the university as a whole in terms of now recruiting not only student athletes to Bowie State, but also just the general student population as well. Now, that's a great point, man. I think uh, our administration, Dr. Bro, has done a great job um, really bringing on some some uh, added or some needed uh, academic curriculum that, that the students are, are excited to be a part of. I know she has a couple of entrepreneurship programs that she has initiated, and students are looking to get into that. And I think with the success we've had on the football field, Bowie State is not just a fallback school anymore. I know when I went to Bowie, it was a situation where I wanted to stay close to home and, uh, you know, I said, hey, I just go to Bowie. I don't think it's like that anymore. I think guys are really, or students are really uh, looking to receive their education and participate in our athletic programs uh, a lot sooner. than, And it's not no longer a fallback school. You know, this, these are some, uh, this is a school that uh, student-athletes, I uh, look forward to attending, and I think uh, our coaching staff has done a great job with camps and that sort of thing, and getting out in the community and just educating um, uh, people on what we're doing at Bowie. So I definitely think that the times have changed, and uh, we must continue to work to continue to move on that uh, upward trajectory. I also asked Coach Wilson about life after All-American, All-World superstar quarterback Amir Hall. I, I think the, the thing about our system and our program you know, we try not to uh, cater to one particular person. We try to put some things in place that that uh, goes along with our system and recruit guys that fit our system. Uh, we've been very fortunate to have Amir in our system for the last four years. And uh, and if, I don't know if you remember, before Amir, we had a couple other quarterbacks yeah. that had a lot of success throwing. Of course, not as uh, from a, a um, every-year deal. Amir had the longest tenure, if you will, but uh, – those other guys had success. So we're looking for Gaston Cooper to step right in, in, in place. Gaston has been in the uh, program for two years. He's familiar with the system. Uh, it's his opportunity. It's his time. Uh, and I'm excited to see, you know, to see him grow and develop in the system. Uh, but we're definitely going to miss a guy like Amir Hall, not just his numbers on the field, but his leadership. I mean, he's a kid. I've been coaching college ball 20 years, and he has to be in the top three of my players I've ever had opportunity to coach. I mean, he's just a great young man and uh, is a great leader, so we're going to miss him. But uh, I think from on the field, Gaston Cooper will be able to step right on in and um, and, and lead this ball club. Is there some, you know, you look at what, what Amir was able to do for all of those, those really, you know, the, the three full years he had to come in. Mm-hmm. You, to, to your point, I, I can't mm-hmm. think of the name of the quarterback. I had a great quarterback. He goes down. He has to, Amir has to come in and play in the playoff game, I believe, going back some four years, three, That's four correct. years. Yeah. So, but with that, so is there, like, is it because he played D2 ball or what's the, like, why isn't he on a National Football League roster? I'm still trying to figure it out. I've, I've talked to a number of NFL teams. I've talked to some personal friends of the National Football League, and I still haven't got a clear and definitive answer. Um, he checked all the boxes. Hey, great arm strength coach. Hey, good size. Uh, he's a smart kid. I have no – I had, I don't know. And uh, he just had to work out this past weekend. And uh, at the end of the day, he's going to get his opportunity. I have no idea why it's taking this long for a team to – 
kind of pull the trigger and get and get this young man an opportunity. But uh, he still he has his head on strong. He's he's working out. He's staying prepared. Um, but I, I I can't answer that question. <laughs> I, I I don't know. I know he he was trying to be basically the first Division two uh, HBCU quarterback to play in the National Football League, to my knowledge. So I know he's knocking on some doors that that uh, haven't been opened in the past, but I think he did everything he was supposed to do to put himself and give himself an opportunity to uh, to play on Sundays. Again, you can listen to the podcast in its entirety, a look at the Bowie State Bulldogs for 2019, also recapping 2018, and I asked Coach Wilson about a number of other things. You don't want to miss it. Log on to BoxToRow.com. You can either download the podcast or listen to it right on the website. You know, that northern division of the CIAA is rough. And by the way, Joshua Pryor is really, really good. He was a boxer All-America as a freshman. He had like 20 tackles for loss, nine and a half sacks on that Bowie State defensive line. So I think the defense is going to be good. They definitely are going to. I know he talked about the system and you don't really cater to one player, but I mean, a mere you know, Mir Hall did everything. So, you know, that's definitely going to be a big loss. Um, they're going to have to try to replenish that running game a little bit, which averaged less than 100 yards per game. A lot of that is because they threw the football a whole lot with a hole. But, you know, I, I still think you I mean, it's early. You know, I, I still and, and, and this is why we want to get you ready, because I'm having fun a little bit early on looking at uh, what some of the teams have to offer to this point. Um, you know, Virginia State's going to be tough. Virginia Union's going to be tough. Chawana's going to be tough. Elizabeth City State's going to be improved. So that, you know, CIAA Northern Division is very rough. But, I, you know, I'd have to say if you were to pick a favorite right now or who would win the CIAA's Northern Division, you'd have to give it to the defending CIAA champion, Bowie State Bulldogs. Also on the daily podcast this week, we previewed Miles. We talked with Reginald Ruffin, the head football coach is Miles. He's entering his ninth seasons, won three SIAC championships and had a chance to talk with him about a number of different things. But I want one of the questions I really asked him was how Miles was able to rebound from starting 0-5 to ultimately winning five of its last six ball games and ultimately winning the SIAC championship? Well, you know, the biggest thing is, you know, we had a young football team. Uh, we lost a lot of guys here before, but we had a, a fairly uh, new football team. And, you know, and anytime you have a young football team, the biggest thing is continuity, you know, guys getting familiar with the system and coaching style. You know, we don't do uh, a, a good job in bringing them uh, on campus early, like during the summertime and all of that. So these guys really have to, to start to uh, uh, crawl and walk you know, at the beginning of the year, and it just took us some time to just to keep getting better. But if you actually watch all of our games from all, for, during the season, you know, that first game against Alabama and them, you know, Alabama and them, they had all, you know, everything falling their way. And, you know, they was all hitting all cylinders. And, and we actually lost that game, you know, uh, by a wide, wide margin. But all the rest of the game, you know, it was the last possession. We had the lead and gave up a couple of hell marriages, gave up so I knew we had a good ball team, but the thing is, we just had to make sure we just kind of got better and keep getting better and better as a group. And our kids just kept fighting, and I always told them we had a chance 
if they just keep battling, we have a chance. And they just kept fighting and believing, and you know, and, and eventually, man, we just we just caught fire, and, and these guys was uh, excited and, and, and motivated to uh, do great things, and winning the championship was was that. Yeah, I man, it's got to be tough losing those first five games. So, what, in your estimation, was the turning point in the season? Got to um, uh, do a good job with your coaching staff and coaches that we we don't give up and 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 and, and, and let the kids see us give up. We got to keep uh, uh, instilling and keep pulling, uh, pushing the pride of continuing working hard and not give up, even though it was 0-1, 0-2, 0-3, 0-4. And, you know, we had to have great attitudes, and that's what was my biggest thing, to make sure our attitude was right, the way we came to practice. And our kids had that mentality that we were undefeated, and we still worked hard, you know. And, and if you do that, and then you had to do a, a, some soul-searching, you know, guys that didn't want to be a part of the program, I call a bad locker room lawyer guys. So we started to uh, just started to suspend guys and started to delete guys out of the program and uh, off the team. And, you know, once we started doing that, we actually started having a great core of our team believing that they were already believing, but they were just uh, just not together. And we just got rid of some of the guys that we felt uh, was a, just a cancer to the program. And, uh, you know, and our, and our kids just kept believing in each other. And the ones that we kept and the ones that stayed, you know, they just believed in each other. And, and man, winning that championship was, was, was unbelievable. Miles head football coach Reginald Ruffin. Again, you can hear that interview in its entirety. Log on to our website, BoxToRow.com. Click on the HBCU Football Daily Podcast banner. And you can either download or listen to that podcast and that interview in its entirety with Miles, head football coach, Reginald Ruffin. Again, a little bit too early for me to predict who I think is going to win the SIAC championship. I mean, I still think even though Benedict didn't win it last year, I still think Benedict's going to be strong this year. I think Albany State's going to be strong. I think Tuskegee is going to be strong. I mean, the usual suspects are going to be strong. Lane, I think, may be improved. So, you know, hard to say, but, you know, and again, as I do some research and we get a little bit deeper into um, the summer, I'll have, of course, my preview of the SIAC and and sort of rank the teams that I think um, are where they're going to finish and who ultimately is going to win the SIAC championship. But, you know, you got the quarterback coming back for miles. You got the Stevens kid, the linebackers, a box to All-American um, was a junior last year, SIAC Defensive Player of the Year. He also comes back. So Miles is going to be definitely going to be solid, but they're going to have to get off to a good start. Three of their first five games are at home, and then only one of their remaining five games is at home. So it's going to be important for Miles to get off to a fast start, uh, at least the first half of the season. Up next here on From the Press Box to Press Row, switching gears back and continuing the conversation with respect to the NBA draft. The radio program that's talking sports from New York City to Cali and globally on the World Wide Web. From the Press Box to Press Row continues after this. Mommy, where are we going? To the grocery store, honey. Oh, goody, Mommy. Can we buy an original bag of Marjorie's beef jerky? Of what? 
An original bag of Marjorie's beef jerky. It's really good, Mommy. Dad let me try some, and I couldn't help myself, and I ate it all, and I was hoping that you could, like, help me replace it before he comes home from work. Why would you eat all of Dad's beef jerky? Mommy, I couldn't help myself. Marjorie's beef jerky is so good, and Daddy says it's good for you. Well, it sounds like we had better buy two bags to avoid this from happening again. Thanks, Mom. Marjorie's Beef Jerky, the best beef jerky on the planet. You can also purchase Marjorie's Beef Jerky online at Marjorie'sBeefJerky.com. That's Marjorie'sBeefJerky.com. Or call them toll-free, 844-340-7613. Marjorie's Beef Jerky, the best beef jerky on the planet. It's Donald Ware, host of From the Press Box to Press Row, the biggest names, our guests on Box to Row. That is the voice of Kevin Durant. Oh, yeah, well, I'm just, you know, trying to get better every single day. You know, uh, we've been through a lot as a team, and I enjoy playing with a great group of guys. Hey, this is Ronda Rousey. This is Michael Vick. Hi, this is Layla Ali. Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Skylar Diggins. Hey, it's Alex Morgan with the U.S. Women's Soccer Team. I'm talking about none other than Serena Williams. Oh, thank you very much. Thank you. That was definitely one of the better matches I've ever played. I've had it just like that. You know, I was really focused, and I was really um, ready and serious, just really, you know, excited. Missed any of these interviews? Then check us out online at www.botchtorow.com. That's from the press box to press row. Real. Relevant. Radio. It's Donald Ware. From the press box to press row. We're back here on From the Press Box to Press Row. Talking some NBA and NBA draft. And definitely disappointed that Amir Hinton of Shaw wasn't ultimately drafted. Probably, really, to be honest with you, not surprised. Although, uh, you know, I, I thought with all of what you saw and all of the... Uh, you know, kept up with him in the reading and what the experts had to say about his draft chances. You thought ultimately, at least I thought ultimately that he may be drafted, but really not surprised. I mean, the last time that a CIAA player was drafted was David Young when North Carolina Central was in the CIAA back in 2004. Of course, you had Flip Murray that was ultimately drafted out of Shaw back in 2002, had a good NBA career and I think ultimately uh, Amir Hinton will get his opportunity now you know I had the pleasure of seeing him play pretty much uh, each and every week uh, having done Shaw games this year and he's absolutely he's 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 as advertised Um, I think if you want to try to make the comparisons between he and Flip Murray not you know sort of an unfair comparison in a lot of respects they're uh, in, a, in a lot of respects, totally different players. I think it was an easy comparison because, one, they both went to Shaw. Two, they both were coached by Joel Hopkins. Three, they both were from Philadelphia or from Philadelphia. And so th- I think that's where a lot of the comparisons come in. They both obviously played in the CIAA, having played at Shaw. Two different eras, definitely, with respect to CIAA basketball, I think the era that Flip Murray played in was, I mean, 
you talk about as good as Shaw was, and that was it. That team made it to the Final Four back in 2002. As good as Shaw was, I mean, you had some great teams. Winston Salem State. I mean, they had to. Shaw had to really push its way to victory over Winston Salem State in the regional uh, tournament when both teams made it to the regionals. Johnson C. Smith was really good that year, and if you look at that era. I mean, you had some really, really good basketball teams. That was uh, around the time that Bowie State started to be really good some couple of years later after that. It was just a different era. Um, Better players, I think, when you're looking at that time. And you're separated there by, you know, 16, 17 years or so. But definitely a better era. Disappointing. But at the same time, he's going to get his opportunity. He's worked very hard. I think that when you look to me, the the thing that I was most impressed with about Amir Hall was, or uh, Amir Hinton, excuse me. We, we got two Amirs, you know, Bowie State's Amir Hall, Amir Hinton. The thing I was uh, impressed with, with respect to Amir Hinton, is how much growth that he had from from his 2017-18 season playing college basketball to 18-19 or this past year like there was a that you know I mean there he took his game to a whole nother level yeah I realized that he averaged in 17-18 he averaged like 20 some points per game but in talking with him and uh, really understanding the work that he put in in the offseason to take his game. He, he averaged six or seven more points a game. He averaged right under 30 points a game this past year for Shaw. His last game where Shaw lost in the CIAA championship game to Virginia State, he dropped uh, in excess, if my memory serves me correctly, dropped in excess of 30 points. Uh, and also he had a 50 point game. He had a couple of 40 point games this year. And to me, I think this off season and some of the work that he was able to put in from the time, from his last game at Shaw up until this point, I think he probably took his game to another level at that point. But you know how it is if you're at a smaller school. I mean, you know, let's go back some couple of years ago when, uh, Robert Covington thought he was going to be driving. I mean, he was talked about as potentially maybe a late first round draft pick, ultimately didn't get drafted, ended up signing with the Houston Rockets like two hours or so after the draft and spent his time between at that time, the D league, now the G league and the Houston Rockets, I remember at one point during one of the Rockets seasons, maybe his second year in the league, he was traveling between the Rockets and uh, I forget the D. It was a, I don't know if it was I forget which it was a D League team, I think in Texas, whatever the D League team was for the Houston Rockets. And he was traveling between the two during a playoff run. Both matter back as a matter of fact. I think both teams were in the playoffs, so he one day he'd be with the D-League team. The next day he'd be with the Houston Rockets. And also, if my memory serves me correctly, may have even got some time with the Rockets during the playoffs. And then ultimately, he's become the player 
now. I mean, I know he was injured this season, but remember last year he was an all NBA defense. Uh, he was on, I think he was third team all NBA defense last year. Man, I mean, so, you know, a lot of times these teams are going to get diamonds in the rough and, you know, unfortunately, they're not going to take, meaning the NBA, they're not going to take a chance on a smaller, uh, uh, they'll take a chance maybe on a smaller uh, uh, school Division One player. Definitely not. Like, you got to be cream of the crop. You know, David Young was a really, really good player for North Carolina Central when Seattle took him back in 2004. Flip Murray, a great player for Shaw uh, when they took him. Uh, back in 2002 in the NBA draft and uh, ultimately uh, Flip went on to have a very, very good NBA career. But I think I think there's a it's going to be a lot of work now uh, for Amir Hinton. But with that being said, I think he's going to have an opportunity. I mean, you have you've had to have seen this kid play. I mean, to you know, very James Harden like. All right. Went in one game. He went to the line 32 times in one game. I had a chance to to call that game. 32 times it was either against Virginia Union or against Bowie State. 32 times you go to the free throw line in one game. Averaged, uh, he shot about 89 percent from the free throw line. But I, you know, there were some honest assessments that I had a chance to take a look at when uh, you give analysis where some of the recruiting services, not recruiting service, but some of the um, the the services that analyze NBA players uh, really talked about him. And, and, and I forget exactly uh, what service it was, but they gave a very honest assessment in terms of his game, some of the improvements, a lot of the weaknesses that they thought. But, you know, he had a lot of strengths like I'm not really into the numbers per se, but it was some um, it, there was some kind of uh, number where. He was like the second all in all of college basketball. He's like a top 10 guy when it came to something like I don't know if it can't remember if it was a transition points or if it was one on one situation. So, you know, I mean, you know, unfortunately, these type of things happen. But I think he's going to you know, he's going to get his opportunity uh, and um, I think he's going to shine. I mean, if you go back to. The 2012 NBA draft when Kyle O'Quinn ultimately was drafted in the second round by Orlando, you know, his stock really went up. His stock really went up as Norfolk State uh, obviously won the MEAC tournament championship, went on to upset Missouri in the first round of the NCAA tournament. And I mean, he put that team essentially on his back. His stock went up and, you know, he was drafted by Orlando and and has become a serviceable player in the NBA. Very serviceable. He's currently with uh, the Pacers, but he originally was drafted by Orlando. Had, you know, a couple of solid years with the Knicks. Uh, The Knicks were just so bad, but he played a role. He was a role player, you know. So, listen, he's going to get his opportunity uh, you know, a little, a little disappointed not to have seen him got drafted, but ultimately, I mean, I think he's going to get his, his opportunity and do like a lot of players have done. You don't get drafted. That's an extra chip. I think that, I think maybe that's a good thing because that, you know, he already had a chip on his shoulder as a smaller kid, a smaller school kid, uh, really worked hard, put himself, uh, in this position 
to garner all of this attention to ultimately be in the conversation. He was, a, I mean, in a lot of the draft boards early on, he was a top 50 player, got a lot of workouts with a lot of teams and uh, ultimately didn't get drafted, but I think he's going to work hard. It's another chip on his shoulder. And I think ultimately it's going to work out for him. Some of the surprise guys, I mean, you look at Bowl Bowl out of Oregon, the uh, son of Manute Bowl, the late Manute Bowl, who um, was expected to be a first round pick, seven foot guy, uh, ultimately didn't get drafted. Denver is going to have the uh, the opportunity to have his services in the second round. Um, that's you know that's a good pick for you know that's a good pick for uh, for Denver. I mean that, you know you, you can't teach seven feet. He's got a, a tremendous wingspan. He's got an opportunity to be able to put some meat on those bones. And I mean he's got a lot of skills. He's got a good skill set. So I mean I think. You know, Denver's going to get a good player um, in that situation and a guy that's going to be able to come in uh, and ultimately help them. You know, I thought that the Wizards had a I, I thought the Wizards did a good job in 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 their draft. There was, uh, uh, you, you know, there's these mock drafts and ultimately it was thought that the Wizards were going to get uh, uh, was it uh, say coup? Dumboya from France that was the initial thought that the Wizards may uh, draft him and it's interesting because I was talking to a buddy of mine uh, on Wednesday and I said to him I said you know the Wizards need to draft that Rui kid from Gonzaga I mean that that guy I think is a guy that could come in and help them right away and wouldn't you know it that's ultimately who the Wizards drafted Good pick, I think. You know, hopefully John Wall is able to come back next year. I think Bradley Bill is really earning his max deal. Three straight all-star appearances, averaged a career-high 25.6 points per game. Uh, This past season, Wizards struggled a little bit. They're going to have to figure out, okay, what kind of, you know, what kind of free agents are they going to sign? They they got some guys that are on the current roster that they need to sign as well. Uh, But I think that... uh, uh, that was a good Rui Hachimura, good uh, out of Gonzaga, a good pickup by the Wizards. Got to get ready to run here on From the Press Box to Press Row again. Don't forget about the HBCU Football Daily Podcast. Download it or listen on our website at BoxToRow.com. And always remember to support those that support you. From the Press Box to Press Row is presented by DW Communications. Take my chance.